0: the the ability to tape and to share. So first of all as mentioned, thank you very much to Rabbi Gutstein for giving me the opportunity to share Torah with all of you uh, today. It is my honor. Thank you also to my friend, Arbach for making uh, the Shidduch. And thank you all for coming to listen. Uh, It has been a very, very big year and this is going to be a really big Rosh Hashanah and we are a few days away preparing together, so I thank you all for tuning in to give me the opportunity to share some thoughts with you. Um, I don't believe in my lifetime, uh, which is less than some of yours, there has ever been a year like this where we're coming into Rosh Hashanah with as great a feeling of so much is on the line, so much is unknown in the year ahead. Probably the greatest thing to prepare for Rosh Hashanah is just to think about that just to ponder just to cogitate and contemplate what the year ahead can bring to us what is what is at stake for ourselves for the world for our families as we look forward uh to 5781 if we ever questioned if we ever doubted uh our ability to manipulate the world Uh, under Hashem's world this is the year where it's clear to us that really Hashem and only Hashem is the king of kings is an alchim alchim you know at some level when we're thinking how we should be recognizing that my one of my teachers would have always said are we better are we coming into this year after all of the events of this past year are we better do we look at ourselves and say, are we better today than we were a year ago or even a few months ago? And that certainly is a major idea coming into this Rosh Hashanah. But I want to speak something about a topic which I hold is so essential, so important for all of us this year in particular. And I want to base it off this past week's partial. Torah tells us, it's week's Torah portion in the Tzavim, Atem, hayom, kochem. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses says, you, all the Jewish people came together. Moshe gathered everyone together and said, you are standing here today. What is today? There is a remarkable zoyar, the great work of Kabbalah. The zoyar says, is Rosh Hashanah. This day, when we look that we're all together, that is the day of Rosh Hashanah. Atenit Savim Hayom Kuchem. Lifnashem of Okechem in front of your Lord, the Lord your God. The Rashi, however, explains it on a simple level. Atanit Savim Hayom. You Jewish people, all of you are standing today. Moshe Moshe spoke to the Jewish people of, in front of God Moso on the last day of his life Moshe Rabbeinu Moses the greatest person to ever live in this world is going to tell the Jewish people his parting message till the end of time to the day of Mashiach and of the Messiah and the resurrection of the dead and what is he going to give the Jewish people? He's going to give them words of musr, words of thought, last parting words for the journey of life. Moses is not going to see us again until the end of time. And these are the last words he'll be telling the Jewish people. I believe that's part of the why it says it like it's Rosh Hashanah. It was really the parting message for the Jewish people, in the, not the year ahead, but the years ahead. But what does he tell them? angered Hashem a. You've many times over the past forty years angered your Creator and you're still standing here today. There is a remarkable measure a remarkable work of the sages. And Yelchit Shemoni asked the following question. What was Moses, what was Moshe telling the Jewish people on this last day, on this day like Rosh Hashanah? The message says that at the end of last week's partial, when Moses gave the 98 curses, he's in the land of God, if you don't follow the turn, the Jewish people turn green. They were so nervous. They were so scared. And and they they started to backtrack. And they said, the Torah is impossible to keep. Just not for us. And so Moshe said, no, you're still here. You're still with me today. Don't worry. And the commentators, the Mefarshim, asked the following question. What is the sequence of events? Originally, Moshe tells the Jewish people, you know, if you don't keep the Torah, it's going to be serious. You're going to get hurt. Keep it at all costs. And he really, really put the fear of God into them. And then he says, by the way, by the way, don't worry. You're still here even if you didn't do it. What's the message? And so what the commentator say is a remarkable thing. They say it's a good thing to fear God. But fear of God should never, ever lead to hopelessness. It's a good thing to be realistically apprehensive and to, do, to realize life has consequences, but to be hopeless, to be broken, to feel like there's no opportunity uh, and we're, we're just doomed, that's destructive. That's debilitating. And that damage, that, that, that really destroys opportunity. And when, when, when the idea of even by Rosh Hashanah as we come in is that we always have to be filled with hope. That the essence of Rosh Hashanah is that for you and I to come in with tremendous levels of hope. Hope in all of the opportunities that we're still here today, all of us after this crazy year, that we're here today and tomorrow could be even, it could and should be much greater. It, what Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching us is that we should never ever give up on ourselves or, or, or feel hopeless. I remember in my youth, uh, he used to come visit Miami Beach. His name was Eli Weizel. I'm sure many of you have heard of Eli Wiesel, who won the Nobel Prize. So he grew up in Siget. And his good friend, if anyone's ever been to Miami Beach, there's the, the Berkowitz family. They owned for many years the Saxony uh, and the Crown Hotel and other hotels. So the M- Moshe Chaim Berkowitz grew up in Siget with Eli Weizel. And I heard the following story. Uh, as you see, they used to walk together in Miami Beach many years ago. Now, Eli Wiesel said the following thing. He said when he was in Auschwitz, there was a day where the, the Russian soldiers found rat poison. They were in the camp in Auschwitz, and they found rat poison. And it was with all of the atrocities, with all of the difficulties, with all of the day in, day out, not having hope, they, they lined up one after another, and the Russians went first because the, the Jews were second, second citizens. So the Russian soldiers who were POWs. They went first, and one after another were were taking rat poison and dying. And Eli weizel and many Yidden and many Jews were on that line, waiting to end their misery, waiting to take that rat poison. And because they had given up hope, and there was one, yes, one visioner Jew. Now Eli Zal grew up where Shtatner was, but he was a visioner Jew by birth. And there was a visioner Jew in that room who started to hum the words of Ani Mamun. and Ani Mamun the belief in the Mashiach, and he was humming it over and over, and one by one. Eli all said, every single Jew that was on that line, that was waiting for that rat poison, got off that line. Why? Because the words of Ani Maman, even in the darkest of depths, remind the Jew that there's always hope. That there's always hope. And because of those words of Ani Maman he got off the line and all the other Jews did as well. In fact, my wife's own grandmother, own Bubby, um, was on the death marches. And she told me that when she was on that death marches, what motivated her to go on to not give up was they would sing Ani belief in the, the hope for a better tomorrow, for more opportunities. One of the greatest sages in America was Rabbi Aaron Cutler. Rabbi Aaron Cutler was a Lithuanian sage who founded the Lakewood Yeshiva. And, but many, many people considered him their teacher, the greatest sages in America. When he passed away 60 years ago, the Yeshiva in Lakewood, New Jersey, they were devastated. Now today, Lakewood has, thank God, Hashem, almost 8,000 students. In 1960, it had 110 students. But those 110 students, of Aaron Cutler passed away, they were crying, they were devastated, and he, his aron, his casket, were taken to Israel, and they were left behind. And they came to the yeshiva that night, they took off the parochah, they took off the curtain from the aron, and they were sitting in the base measures in the study hall, crying. They couldn't imagine what they were going to be without their rebbe. Right, they couldn't imagine what was going to be without their great teacher. It was incomprehensible to them. And the mashkiach of the yeshiva, there's nothing, title, he came up to the, to the podium to speak to the students. Their teacher was flying to Israel to be buried in, on Har Menuchos in Jerusalem. What was he going to tell these students? And the mashkiach said the following thing. Amazing story. He said I did, never wanted to say this during the lifetime of the Rosh Hashiva in the life of Rabbi Aaron Kotler. But now that our great teacher, Rab Aaron Kotler, has passed away, I want to share with you the following story. A few weeks ago, one of the greatest sages in America told me the following thing. That he had a dream. And in his dream, the great Chassam Sofer. The Chassam Sofer was the greatest sage in the early 19th century in Central Europe. He was the Rosh Shiba of Pressburg, which is in Bratislavia, and was considered the greatest sage of his generation. He was a son-in-law of the great Rabbi Akiva Eger. The Chassam Sofer once saw the Mashiach, he was sleeping on a couch. And he saw the Mashiach and he said, he went over. This is all in the dream. He said, over. He went to shake the Mashiach. And he shook the Mashiach. He said, Mashiach, we are, your people need you. But the Mashiach did not wake up. And in the dream, this sage told him, the next person I saw that went to the Messiah, sleep on the couch, was Rab Aaron Cutler. And Rab Aaron Cutler also went to the, this sleeping the Mashiach who was sleeping and tried to wake up the Mashiach, try to wake up the Messiah. And again, the Mashiach didn't want to wake up. And then the sage said, and I saw in my dream an American boy wearing a baseball cap. I don't know if it's the New York Yankees or Chicago Cubs, they didn't say it. Um, but he went and he saw an American boy wearing a baseball cap. And that boy went to the Mashiach. And he tapped the Mashiach on his shoulder. And he said, Mashiach, wake up. Your people need you. And that's when the Mashiach woke up. And Nelson Vachsvogel told the yeshiva that night, you think the world has ended with the death of the Rosh yeshiva. You are the hope. You, never have to, you can never give up. But the Yisoyed of Moshe Rabbein was telling us on his last day, the day which represents Rosh Hashanah, is never give up hope for a better tomorrow. Never give up hope about being better, of having new opportunities, of being close to Hashem. That a Jew never gives up hope. You know, we say throughout Elul, Tehillim, Psalms 27. We say, "LeDavid Hashem Ori. Say it in the morning and at night. Beautiful words. The David HaMelech, King David, says, Hashem, you are my light and salvation. And who shall I fear? You, Hashem, are my strength. I shouldn't dread anyone. The last pasuk, the last verse of this psalm, which we say morning and night throughout Elul, all the way past Yom Kippur to Simcha's Torah, is Kaveh el Hashem, Chazak v'yametz v'becha v'kaveh al Hashem. Place your hope in God. Strengthen yourself. Instill courage in your hope and place your hope in God. Always have hope in Hashem. In fact, the name of Hashem appears in this Psalm, in this capital of Tehillim, which we say, 13 times which represents the 13 gates of mercy. Because we put our hope in Hashem. In fact, there's an amazing Isbetser Rebbe. The Isbetser Rebbe, who was one of the great sages of Poland in the mid 19th century, a student of the great Rebbe of Kutsk said the things: Why are we called Yehudim? Why are we called Jews after Yehuda? There are 12 tribes. There are many answers given why we're called Yehudim, Jews after Hudal. You know what the Ishvatar says? The Ishvat says the following thing that when the Jewish people, the Shvatim, were in Metzraim, and Yosef put the cup in the in, in sack, and at that moment they were forced to go back to Egypt, back to Pyro, back to Joseph, back to this Yosef, and everything looked dark. They had promised Yaakov, Jacob, their father, that we're going to come back with your with your child Benjamin, your child Benjamin. And at that moment, they all ripped their garments, the Torah tells us. They were crying. They were, didn't know they had given up hope. And there was only one person who had the stature, stature and the stamina and didn't give up, and that was Yehuda. And the Yehuda was the one who confronted Yosef at that moment says the Ishmael to You know why all of us, all of us on this call, and also every other, are called Yehudim, Jews, because Jews don't give up. A Yid, a Jew, never gives up hope. We don't give up on people. That a Jew could always do better. You know, I, I, I had the good fortune of being involved in outreach of of, of our fellow Jews in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, and. We never give up on a Jew, even whether it's a relative, whether we can't ever imagine, every Jew can come close to Hashem. We never give up on ourselves, and we never give up on the Jewish people. The essence, says the Ijbat of a Yid, of a Jew, is never to give up hope. And when you come to Tshuva, it's really the, the most important, is so the most important foundation itself, that to do true repentance, to come close, to return to Hashem, not only to have a great tomorrow, but to come close, we have to believe in ourselves. We have to have the hope that we could change. Because when we, if we give up, if we feel stuck, not only is when what we do, Chuba, that's the, the, the antithesis of a Jew. There's an amazing Svat Emes. The Svaz Emes was the great Gerer Rebbe. In his lifetime, before World War II, Gor, Gerer and Hasidim were the largest Hasidic group in the world. Even today, after the Holocaust, the largest Hasidic group in Israel is the Ger Hasidim. And this last emissary is the following thing, again, from this week's Parsha. Torah tells in Parsha the Jewish people, um, it says, Moshe says in his last day, this nations after, Hashem tells Moshe, after you die, will go and serve false gods. And they'll break my covenant that we made with you. And I will get, and they'll say, I'll get angry at them, and they'll say, You know why this happened to us? Because we forgot God. We forgot God, and then I'll get angrier. Rashi even says, They think that we forgot God, and that's why this is happening, and I'll get even angrier. Says the Sf- Sfasemis, Why would God get angrier? They acknowledge that the reason that this happened. Is that because they forgot God? Pastor Emma says the five thing. That when they said if this happened to us, because we forgot God, it was coming from a place of feeling that we're hopeless. Now we're done. Look what happened. We forgot about God, and now we're stuck. And that is the worst thing for a Jew to ever feel. Says Hashem. That a Jew has to know that at all times, in all places, if we make the effort. We, Hashem brings us back. We should never give up on ourselves for this. But you never gives up. And that thing is that's the foundation of all tshuva. That we believe Hashem loves us. We believe in ourselves. We believe that we are Yehudim. I saw a while back an unbelievable story. An unbelievable story. That Rabbi Afry that and Waxman That Rabbi Ephraim Waxman, who was uh, who was uh, a great Rabbi Munzi, said the following story was in the name of her, Moshe Kuppitz. Moshe Kuppitz is a, a shear in Israel. He's a son in law of a very famous Rosh from Manchester. And he said over the following story that he has a colo in Israel of semi retired Americans, it means, or retired, they come to Israel, they retire. And he go to this call to learn. And he finished a tractate. This happened a few years ago. Finished in a secta. And they had lots of l'chaims. And after the learned one of the individuals who had been studying with this group said the following story. He said the following thing. He said he grew up, he was a child of Holocaust survivors. And he said that his parents had given up completely, legamre, ingansen, totally with Yiddishkeit, totally with Judaism. He said he had a bris milah, he had circumcision, but that's it. No bar mitzvah, no Jewish education, nothing. But only one thing he had, since his parents were European survivors, they spoke Yiddish at home. So he was able to speak Yiddish. But after his bris milah passed into Yom Kippur, nothing nothing again his whole life and as he got older he went into business and in his early 20s he got involved with two non-jews and not only became very wealthy but not only did they become wealthy through normal legal means they started to do more crafty illegal business and he said one day they went to a restaurant and they went to make a deal a deal which was totally illegal and corrupt. And as they walked out after making that deal in the restaurant, the FBI surrounded them. It was a sting operation. And in that sting operation, they had recorded every word. Every word from that deal was recorded. And it seemed to be you no. Know, they told him they were putting charges and they were asking for 25 years. One of the three people in that deal, one of the non-Jews, ran away. This guy never saw him again. Again, The second one did a plea bargain, confessed, and actually implicated him even more. He hired a lawyer, this Jew, and the lawyer was a tremendous, for tens of thousands of dollars, this is 30, 40 years ago, tens of thousands of dollars of retainer, and the lawyer basically told him that since everything is recorded, And since one of the people in the deal is testifying against you, the odds of you being successful in court are close to none. But I will do my best. I will try my hardest to defend you, and the rest is up to God. This Jew, this son of Holocaust survivors, who knew nothing about his Yiddishkeit, who knew nothing about Judaism, who had no emunah, no faith, was in Manhattan, and was in the Upper East Side. And he started to cry and walk around the streets aimlessly, thinking that his life was over. Just crying, walking in the streets of Manhattan. And he was walking and walking and walking. And he said, and he walked to the Lower East Side and he walked into a restaurant, he needed a drink. He was walking, he didn't even realize it was a kosher restaurant. And he asked for a drink and he's sitting there crying. He was tw- in his young 20s, and he was facing 25 years in prison with very little hope. And he's crying in this restaurant as he gets his drink, and an elderly yid comes over to him and says, What's the matter? What's the matter? What's the problem? And this guy in his 20s looks at this yid, this Jew, this old religious Jew, and says, you don't know anything about my problems. You don't know anything what real problems are. And this Jew says, problems? He picks up his arm, and he shows him his numbers. And he says, I know a lot about problems. Tell me your problems. And this guy, he said, he had no idea. He said, he just started to cry, and he told this elderly Jew the story of his life, about his parents and that you know, he went out, and became wealthy, and now he's going to be in jail for 25 years. It's going to kill his parents who are survivors. And this Jew looks at him. He says, you don't need a lawyer. You need a rabbi. He says, a what? A rabbi. He says, a what? He says, a rabbi, you need to come for a blessing for a rebel. This guy didn't know what a rebel was. He didn't know anything. All he knew is that he was in big trouble, and this guy said he needs a rebel. So he took him from the Lower East Side to, to the Skoiler Rebbe. The Skoiler Rebbe, Rabbe, Rabbe, Rabinovich, himself escaped Vienna. The last, the last, from the last people to get out of Vienna in 1938, 1939, was the Skoiler Rebbe, who died in Park in, in 1939. He's known as a big, mightiest person at Tzadik. And he spoke perfectly, Yiddish, a gentleman. And he came to Skoiler Rebbe, and he's crying and telling his story. And the schooler told him the following thing, he said, you'll see on the day of your case, your lawyer will not show he'll be late, but don't worry, it will be a good sign and you'll be okay. That's what the schooler told him. And he gave him a blessing and he walked out. The day came of this court case and lo and behold, the judge is there and he looks, the judge does not look like a happy person. He looks like he had a bad day. He comes in grumpy, the judge. And he's waiting for his lawyer, and he's looking, and his lawyer's not there, and he's plotting. The FBI is in the room. The informant, whose former partner, is in the room, and his own lawyer is not there. And after a while, he gets a call from his lawyer. He said that he's missed his flight. He can't be there for a case. And he's sending a replacement. And a few minutes later, a young 21-year-old kid, he, not the 40, 50-year-old lawyer, fancy Wall Street lawyer I had hired, but a 21, 22, a kid who looked like he just walked out of law school comes into the room, and now he's really nervous. He didn't know what hit him, and this lawyer starts to talk on this case, and he's, he's arguing for a couple hours, and the judge the whole time, this kid had no idea what he talking about. The judge is not amused the whole time and this guy is looking at his life and he's seen 25 years in prison and he can't believe it after about a couple hours the judge finally slams his on, on the table and says this case is dismissed and he looks at the fbi and says, what what kind of case are you bringing to me you have no case the case dismissed." The guy couldn't believe it he was waiting for 25 years and this 20-year-old lawyer, it would make no sense, and he walks out to this kid, the lawyer, he said, let me ask you a question. How many cases have you tried? And the kid says, it's my first case. Is it your first case? He says, yeah. And he said, what did you think you were doing there? So he said, I'll tell you the truth. I had no idea what I was doing. But one thing I knew is that the George is my grandfather. And I knew that I would be okay. And so this Jew walked out free. He went back to the square. He said, Rabbi, how did you know? He said, don't ask me how I knew. I'm not, but one thing I do know is that God, if Hashem gives you a gift, you have to say thank you. He said, I want you to put on tefillin. Explained to what tefillin are. He told them where to get it every day. This Jew, who only had a brisk and no, had not had a pesach yom gift rosh hashanah nothing, his whole life, said, "If 25 years of putting on this tefillin, wherever it is, I'll get Johnny." So the Rebbe told him, "Go to this store in Crown Heights and buy tefillin." And he went to the store in Crown Heights and he said, "We can't sell you tefillin. You only what's hard. Go, you go to Rabbi Jacobson. I don't know if Rabbi Why Jacobson this was his father. You go to Rabbi Jacobson." He'll teach you about Tefillin, and then if you know about Tefillin, we'll sell you Tefillin, HaKhava. And this Jew started for Tefillin, and the rest of the story is he became observant. And he told that story that, at that sium, And I was thinking of this. We don't have a grandfather who's a judge. Our father, Hashem, is the judge of Rosh Hashanah. And as long as we know that Hashem is the judge who's our father in heaven, we are always can have hope. When your father is the judge, no matter how dark, no matter what the odds are, there's always hope. And that's why you didn't. That's why you didn't always believe in hope, because we, are, we believe that we are the children. We're born in Adam, Lashem We are the children of Hashem. There's an amazing Kliyakar. There's an amazing Kliyakar. The Kliyakar says and this week's parsha from right? the Kliyakar, was a student of the great Maharal, a student contemporary of the great, the great 17th century sage, the, the Maharal of the late 16th century, early 17th century Maharal from Prague, and the Kli says the following thing. It says in the Parsha, again, six Parsha, talking about tshuva. Ki mitzvah hazos, this mitzvah that I'm commanding you, it's not far from you, it's not, it's not, it's not impossible for you. It's not in the heavens global Shaman I mean, to say where can we get it? says the Kliokar that a Jew that you know, Hashem is always sending us messages. You make the efforts. You take you take the step and I'll bring you back. That's the essence because Hashem is our father. And we should always have hope. As we come to the year ahead, we should all be filled with hope of of, of, a, of a great year, of new possibilities. Well, the sky is the limit of we could achieve, one of my favorite lines that I ever saw, and I actually, I have a favorite quote list, and I have this in my quote list, that Shimon Peres, the late, prime, uh, late uh, partial government minister, prime minister of Israel, said the following thing many years ago. Sometimes people ask me, what is the greatest achievement you have reached in your lifetime, or that you will reach in the future? So I replied, said Shemri Perez, there was a great painter named Mordechai Ardon who asked which picture was the most beautiful picture he had ever painted. Mordechai Ardon was asked which picture was the most beautiful picture he had ever painted. Ardon replied, the picture I will paint tomorrow. That is also my answer. That my greatest achievement is the achievements of tomorrow. As we come to Rosh Hashanah, we should look with hope that our greatest years, our greatest is yet to come. If we believe that it's in the past, for the world, before COVID, before I'm older, before this, then we we'll, are giving given up. Then we're giving up. A year has hope, always has hope, that the greatest achievement is yet to come. The greatest opportunities lie ahead of us. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. Now, there's an amazing, there's an amazing chazal which, which we, which we, which people say today. It's a tradition to say, it's based on a Megillah Lamed Aleph. We say Tichle Shana VeKilul that the year and its curses should end. Tachal Shana that this year and curses should end, and a new year of blessing should begin. Now, this year. We we understand it. We've had a year of craziness, a year of tragedy with COVID. But in a normal year, why is that always the case that we say that? And I believe it's the following thing. That this year and the curse of things that are hopes and dreams which we didn't achieve, that we wanted things, we had dreams and aspirations, we wanted to accomplish things, that this year, that all those things that we didn't accomplish or we didn't achieve to the extent we wanted to, that should end. But a new year, in all of the brachas, all of the hope, all of the opportunities, that should begin. Rosh Hashanah is ahead of us. Tonight, the Chaf Elo is the night of the creation of man. Chaf Hei Elo is the night of my Hashanah. And it's coming Friday night against the 5781 of the years of Rosh Hashanah. We should come in, obviously, with a feeling of the year Hashem is king of the world. He's melech, malachim, and what he taught us this year is that we are totally, totally dependent on Hashem. We should have that feeling. But more or as importantly, we should come filled with hope. And Hashem, who is going to be judging, is our Father in heaven. That we're Yehudim, that we're Jews, and no matter what we've had, there's always hope, not just the Mashiach, but there's hope that our greatest accomplishments are yet to come. And if we come in with that feeling, of not only of Hashem is king, and we need his mercy, but it's filled with hope. And that merits that we, our families, our community, and Kla Yisrael, the world, should have a ksiva, the chasima toiva, We should have a good year, a good bench year, a blessed year, a year that's greater than ever before. I, I give you a that All of our tilas, all of our dreams, all of our hopes should be accomplished this year. Thank you very much. I'll unmute in case someone has questions. Otherwise, I thank you for the opportunity. Can you hear me? You're all muted. If, if anyone has any questions, uh, I think everybody's unmute themselves Why? if they want. But thank you, thank you very much, Rabbi Levine. Okay. All right. Thank I mean, you for the opportunity. I you a Enjoy <laughs> your <Enjoy. laughs> Choshuv, <laughs> Rabbi. By the way, I, I had this close to meet with him. I was so i I I I was so impressed. I'm so happy for you that you have such a leader. You have a you have a, you have a true captain of your ship. You should be zayicha. and all of your tilas and all of your prayers should be answered and in that merit. We should all be zayicha to a great year. Thank you very much. Mine, Mine. Thank, thank, you very, thank you very, much, Rabbi Levine. Pleasure, Rabbi, Rabbi Levine. You should know that the skull, of your Rebbe's son, is Ephraim Korski's cousin. So he was there. It was over one shot, I can't remember why he was uh, collecting or something. And he told that story. I should. It's one of my favorite stories out I that story. I an unbelievable story. He, right? I, I met the story. Rabbi's son. He told us it's the craziest story in the world. Crazy story. But it's a message for you and I, though, right? Avada. When you come in front. Uh, Hashem is our judge, and that's that's what we always have hope. There's a great story with uh, Rashul Maccabim about that. Right before on Arab Kippur, he's going around the show dancing and dancing and going crazy. And everyone's saying, Ren, what are you doing here? It's crazy. It's we You don't, don't worry. The judge is my father. Yeah. Right. right. So I do what you think. And, you know, the Karlbach had another answer. He asked the following question, Shlomo Karlbach. He said, why is it that after Yom Kippur, we say, Buhurachom? It's a weird thing, right? We oh, have right. Yom Kippur. And the first thing we say right after by Marath is uh, that God should forgive our sins? What do you mean we had a whole Yom Kippur? So R' Shlomo said that we save who because at some level we don't believe Yom Kippur worked. But that's the thing we have to know that we came to Yom Kippur we're clean. All of the power of R' Hashem is our Father and He forgave us. So yeah, it goes together. It's, God. Okay, it's, it's a pleasure. I'm. I'm I, I was really as close, and I'm happy if you ever wanted to give us a share again. It would be, my, it would be my, my real honor. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank, thank you. you. Rabbi. Thank you very much. Rabbi. Thank very much, Rabbi. Rabbi pleasure. pleasure. Bill, thank you for the off You're welcome. <laughs> that was easy. My pleasure. Thank you.